Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Gara. Chris, oh my goodness, Urban Meyer. We have a ton to get to today. Huge, huge news that he's going to yeah. be suspended three games and uh, pretty much all of Twitter blew up uh, last night. I think Twitter is dead Twitter now. Twitter was not fun yesterday. No, it was, at it was all. not a fun place to be. We hope that this is going to be a fun place to be. Uh, we know that you've heard all the Urban takes by now. We've got some other stuff that we're going to get to today as well. Some stuff with Jimbo Fisher um, being accused of these NCAA violations. We've got some stuff with our good old friend Jim McElwain. We've got an SEC East preview that we yeah. are going to get to. going to talk a lot of different stuff today, but we have to start with this Urban Meyer stuff because... My goodness, it was fascinating to watch this. And it was sad yeah. on many levels to see Ohio State go to these lengths to... On most cover, levels, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much every level to cover this up. But after reading that report that came out, the 23-page report after the press conference, my goodness, the fact that Urban Meyer only got a three-game suspension is baffling. So, yeah, I mean, I kind of thought he was going to keep his job after like the way the last few weeks unfolded, like we talked about, and kind of the writing was on the wall for that. Um, mainly because of what Vegas had the odds at right. minus 1,500 to say. But as it unfolded yesterday, that's when, like, it was mind-blowing to me. Like, the drama was incredible. It went on for, like, 12 hours. Like, we were watching, like, a Pope being revealed or something like that. Like, is there any smoke? Is there any smoke? And then Shelly shows up. <laughs> they get a bunch of Papa John's delivered. I don't, I don't get that part. They ate so much pizza yesterday. That's what, every time they're sad. They're, I mean, there's so many other foods. Burritos. Uh, ice cream with a fork. Yeah, that's weird, but all right. I mean, well, we're judging Urban, not me, but that's fine. Um, I think that, I mean, I was just shocked because I assumed they were going to come out and just do the typical PR move and be like, you know, we're very sad what happened. We apologize to the victims, which I don't know. <laughs> that None of that was ever said. Um, that they would be smart enough and eloquent enough to, to cover it up. And they weren't. And they wasn't even close. No, it really wasn't. I mean, you had Mary Jo White, who headed the investigation team, someone who's got these incredible credentials, came out and said that she didn't think that Urban Meyer deliberately lied at Big Ten Media Days, even though Urban Meyer admitted to lying about his knowledge of Zach Smith's 2015 domestic violence allegation I, and admitted that in a statement that he released when he was on administrative leave, but apparently right. <laughs> he didn't deliberately lie. I'd like to know how one doesn't deliberately lie. That'd alternative facts. Alternative facts. I absolutely. mean, I was nervous. I mean, yeah, this is this is stuff. What's amazing is there's no way he wrote that that. The statement? statement? No when, way. And so you know somebody at Ohio State in the administration had to have someone write it for him, get his approval, or get get Mary Jo's approval. Side note, don't ever trust women with two first names. I'm just going to throw that out there, especially if they're from the north. If they're from the south, it's like a Mary Beth. Anything like, I mean, my sister's name's Sarah Beth. I don't trust her. Anyway, Mary Jo came out there, and, I, like, I just don't understand how they could have done such a poor job delivering the message and the only thing worse than how they delivered the message was Urban's body language and how he responded. It was horrendous. He, Urban, Urban apologized to Buckeye Nation, I think, three different times and then refused to say Courtney Smith's name, refused that, to apologize to the family. He said, you know, I'm sorry, like, I'm sorry that this is where we are, whatever the quote she, was. Someone said, what would you say to Courtney Smith? And he right. said, he paused, and you could tell he was annoyed by the whole situation because there was those rumors coming out on Feinbaum saying... He the the biggest uh, hindrance in the way of like completing this whole thing was that he didn't feel like he should be uh, what he called suspended at all. Right. He didn't do anything wrong, and so they asked him about Courtney Smith, and he paused and just said, "I'm I'm sorry. This is where we are," and then repeated that. Get 
the blank out of here. It was an awful look for Urban, and I think if you were a Florida fan thinking that there's no way he could possibly look worse than the way he did when he left Gainesville. Yeah. I think that that was achieved last night in the way that he went about everything. I mean, just the remorse that he showed was just not there. He talked he about how... He was sadder about Tim Tebow leaving as his quarterback <laughs> and his future as a coach without him than he ever was about this this case, which is... And that's kind of a joke, but also not. He talked about how this was tough on him and being away from the <laughs> team and, oh, my goodness gracious. Then you read the report and you see that the lengths that he went to to cover this all up, there were a few things that stood out, and by now you've probably seen them, but just seeing the fact that when Urban found out about Brett McMurphy's report, the one that he said he didn't know who would make something up like that, um, well, you know, that was the, the first report, and then <laughs> Urban came out. Um, he, he had to lie. He had a reaction after McMurphy's explosive report where he talked to Courtney Smith and all that stuff, where he was talking to his uh, director of player personnel, uh, Brian Pultini, I think that's, that's his name. You know, and, I don't know. And the question that he asked him was, can you delete text messages that are over a year old? And so, sure enough, the very next day, guess who doesn't have any text messages on his phone from over a year old to turn over to the investigation investigative team? Urban Meyer. I I was over this this kind of stuff in the 2016 election. <laughs> it's just like either side. And it's, this is like, man, you have a he, – he texted someone and said, how do I delete old text? And then you come to find out – that he asked how to delete anything, any text message from a, over a year old and was instructed to do so. And guess what they didn't find on his phone? Any text from over a year old. I just, it was, the whole thing was just real so... Quick, real quick, ultimate kick-yourself moment for Hugh Freeze. For real! Big like, time you... kick-yourself moment. He's like sitting like, oh my gosh, how did I not find this and, app? Where was it? I, I know, <laughs> you can just do it yourself. Like, you shouldn't, I mean, I just... There's so many ways to to be a bad person nowadays with apps. Just, I mean, I don't like to dabble with most of those things anymore. But, I mean, this is such a simple thing to do, and it's crazy that it didn't. It wasn't more of a bigger deal. Yeah, and regardless, there are people who are still saying, "Well, Urban wasn't convicted of any crime," and blah 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 blah. You've got to be kidding me! If you read that port and thought to yourself, "This guy did absolutely nothing wrong, and there's nothing did, wrong yeah, with him I, keeping I Zach Smith on that. his staff," then that is a joke. I'm sorry, but the way that Urban was was simply negligent throughout this entire process. Yeah. The, the, the investigative team found that he might have been a little bit blinded by his relationship with mentor Earl Bruce, and yeah, that might have clouded his judgment in evaluating Zach Smith, and he put too much trust in him. Right. Like, come on. I mean, Or, that, or it might have been the memory loss that he apparently has in trouble oh. focusing because of medication. You know what? I've heard of medication that helps you focus. I mean, because I have to take that sometimes. Not This is stupid. Like, And if you're... I've had like people like reach out like on Facebook or Twitter. It's like, well, what would you do if this happened at Bama? You think Bama would fire Saban? I honestly don't know. And we talked about this as soon as it happened. Like, you try to be as objective as possible, and I, I honestly don't know how it would play out somewhere in the South where like they're just as passionate, if not more, as they are at Ohio State. The bottom line was, it, you know what? You know what was interesting? I thought like yesterday was, you know, the word was not. You know what word was not used? It was the word you just said? Negligence. It was just all denial. It was, and it was it was justification, and that that's the right. That's the troubling thing that really, as a college football fan, we love college football as much as anyone. I mean, we right. we love the sport, and we are we are so passionate about it. We're looking forward to the start of the season. But this was one of those moments where, as a college football fan, you're like, this just sucks. This this, this sucks. is terrible. This this sucks for everyone. You're ruining Christmas. 
I wouldn't. Thanks a lot, far. Dad. I was just like, this sucks. You just you felt like. My gosh, this is the monster that we've created. This is the yeah. place that we're at where an, administra- an administration that knows that a coach did all of these things wrong and did, did so to protect someone who is an admitted domestic violence abuser, admitted that in the text messages that he sent, that Zach Smith right. did that. And the university still went to whatever length it could to keep Irvin Meyer on staff. The three-game three suspension that fans were flipping out for, saying it was too harsh. That's, My goodness. That's, that's gross. That's, I mean, that, like, bad. I think the biggest thing for me is, it's like at some point you just want someone to be honest about it and be like, "All right, yeah, we know what happened. We can't afford to lose them. This is what we're doing." Because everyone knows it's happening here. Like, you know, is he he wins football games? Mary Jo but, White could have come out and said that, and I would have right. believed more of that than <laughs> yeah. what she tried to say. Well, that's 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 what happened. But I mean, you know, I remember like when the Kobe press conference came out after he cheated on his wife, Ooh, that and was she good. That she was showed good. up and had that giant ass ring on her finger. And I kept thinking to myself, I was like, how could this get any more awkward? This is so weird. He's admitting to cheating on her with this person in Colorado and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I'll tell you exactly how it could be more awkward. If he would have came out and was like, I mean, I didn't mean to cheat. I fell into it. It was not totally my fault. I've not been deliberate. really tired lately. I, I didn't deliberately, deliberately cheat. That's exactly how it could have been more awkward. But you, I think you had the best uh, tweet about this. You retweeted somebody yesterday. They kind of described how we built all this up as fans, and we're kind of like the cause of it. Paul Meyerberg, USA Today, had a great, great tweet of that. We are partially responsible. I, I, I can admit that. Like, as, as fans of this sport, as people who cover it for a living, we are part of this because we are the same people who say, yes, if you're at Ohio State, you need to be winning 10 games a year. You need to be doing this. You need to be doing that. And we have, we have helped create this beast. So I'm not saying that we're completely immune to all this and this is just completely on Ohio State. This is the culture that we have built in this sport and the expectation now and what fans come to expect of these programs, this is all part of it and this is the the negligence and the reason that Ohio State is going to just try and move past this and let this be a three-game suspension and then just try and move on and pretend nothing ever happened and that we'll get back to winning football games and it's all going to be swept under the rug. You know when the entire country is going to have it be brought back to light. It's not going to leave the spotlight, but I can't wait for College Game Day next week from Ann Arbor or from uh, South Bend with Michigan Notre Dame. Those Michigan Ooh. signs, and then you have a twelve o'clock kick with Ohio State right afterwards. Ooh. I cannot wait for that. And you know, on a side note, and this is this is a, a, a small soapbox here. The NCAA didn't step in here at all, and you have stuff like, and I know the two are mutually exclusive. When you have like players who are getting suspended, like Todd Gurley with the four games he got for selling his own autograph and make money off his own likeness. And then you have people like Urban Meyer who get three games for this. Yeah, and I think those are, those, in my opinion, those are separate issues in terms yeah. of the way that you judge them. And, but that is part of the problem in that there isn't this governing body you know, that, that overrules college football because the NCAA is you know, all college athletes. And if right. we have a governing body over college football, Joel Klatt tweeted this out, that's what it feels like the sport needs because these these administrators have lost control. The the oh, coaches yeah. have all the power in these places, and we're seeing in in in, in different places, not even just at Ohio State, at places like Maryland, where you need an ESPN right. report to uncover something that the president could have the president of the university could have walked down to practice and seen the stuff that was going on, but there was no desire to look internally at any of that stuff. So that's that's you, the yeah. problem with the dynamic that we have created in this sport. And something needs to change. That's that's my big takeaway from the big month that was in college football. It was a bad month. It was a really, really bad month for the sport and its integrity. And this is a big part of it. And if you want to pretend that it's not really a, a college football wide problem or the way that we evaluate these things, that's fine. I get that. 
But this is a big issue that needs to be addressed because we just saw it happen at one of the most prestigious programs in the country. Yeah. But they, you know what they say, Connor, the, the night is, it's really dark. It, it gets real dark at the night before the dawn or something. I think I saw it in Batman. Next month is going to be great. Oh, gosh, it better be. It better be. Uh, but that's that's part of the problem. I mean, that's part of the problem of, of what this all is, is, that we can move on so quickly to games, yep. and pretty soon we're going to forget about it and move on to something else. But let us move on to something else because there was more than just Ohio State going on in the news. Um, an explosive report came out of USA Today from Dan Wolken about Jim F- Jimbo Fisher being accused of these NCAA, uh, NCAA violations, a former A&M uh, linebacker, Santino Martial. I'm pronouncing that wrong i'm sorry santino um but he can't he claimed that jim jimbo fisher's staff violated (laughs) he violated these uh ncaa rules and this came to light because he was applying to uh to gain immediate eligibility at arizona following kevin sumlin there and there's a new rule in place in the ncaa where if you want to gain immediate eligibility what you have to do is you have to prove that there are documented mitigating circumstances that are outside of a student athlete's control and directly impact health, safety, and well-being of the student athlete. So he was just trying to say, this is why I want to play immediately at Arizona. And what happened was what? he put these these allegations out there about Texas A&M. Apparently, he claimed that he got cash to host recruits on unofficial visits, which is different than an official visit, obviously. Right. He had an ankle injury that wasn't properly handled at Texas A&M and that they held practices uh, in June outside of NCAA guidelines. So all these claims came to light, and I think a lot of people were like, okay, this just seems like a weird, disgruntled player speaking out. Yeah, it, it, but it was bigger than that. screams that. I mean, it, it definitely does. Like, you could tell this was, like, vindictive. First off, I mean, if you're going to get $700 to go to something called Razzo's Cajun Cafe, I'm sure it's not going to cost $700. So you better go fix your own damn ankle. Second off, yeah, this this does, like... Go buy an ace bandage, kid. Get some get some ibuprofen. But I mean, it does for like the big picture, this is a scary, scary beginning to what could happen in college football. Exactly. And the way that this was all brought to light was because this Ole Miss situation where you had six Ole Miss players who were trying to gain immediate eligibility at other schools. Of course, some of those have been high profile, Shea Patterson, Van Jefferson, and and people who are looking to play right away. And the NCAA has a new transfer rule that allows for this to happen. And you have to prove that at your previous school, there were these mitigating circumstances. So what that is essentially doing is, is is incentivizing transfers to speak poorly about the schools that they just come to from. Deliberately in order to deliberately lie. I'm not saying that it, it incentivizes lying, but what it does is it incentivizes them to speak out on something they would not have spoken out on before. Right. Completely and, agree. And for their own benefit. For their own benefit. That's the thing. And what it's at the very least going to do is if players like, Martial. I don't know if his claims are accurate or inaccurate. I'm not going to make a judgment on that. But what I am going to make a judgment on is this is huge in terms of college football and what it's going to do to the NCAA in terms of having these these players speak out. Because if we have players come out left and right saying that, yeah, this coach did this, this coach did this, NCAA's got a lot of work ahead. This is going to be a huge yeah. undertaking, and there are going to be a ton of programs that are suddenly going to be having the NCAA sniff around that they wouldn't have otherwise had to worry about. Right, and and this is like, it's weird because this is not even on that big of a scale. He's trying to transfer out of out of conference to Arizona to play right away. But when you just casually throw an entire university in their football program, especially one like A and M, 
under the under the bus. Like that's doesn't bode well. So Trevor Knight came out and said uh, he basically called him out. Was like, dude, you need to just put your head down and play. And he said, yeah. And he and he tweeted this saying that I don't know the um, I don't know the validity of his claims. Right. But while I understand he wasn't where there when Jimbo was there, obviously. Right. He wasn't there, so he can't speak to that. I understand what Trevor Knight is trying to do. If if you're a former athlete, of course you're going to support your former school. Your second former school. <laughs> your second former school. He lists that in his Twitter bio too that he's a graduate of, of both. Sick brag. You graduated from two schools. Good for you, man. Um, pretty I jealous. I graduated of that, from one. So. <laughs> so, but but here's the, the problem: is that he's blindly supporting his former program without knowing whether right. or not this kid's claims are are legitimate. And so by saying. Dude, just put your head down and don't worry and don't worry about this. That yeah, that was not the best advice. <laughs> maybe maybe not the best advice, considering you don't know what's going into this. If it's a current right. player, that's maybe a little bit of a different scenario because they've kind of seen the inner workings of this. Um, but yeah, so that might not have, I, a lot of people came to his side, and even Christian Kirk was coming to his side. But I I don't know if that's maybe the the best route to go because you're now you're kind of fueling into what we talked about with this Ohio State thing where people are blindly protecting the program regardless yeah. of what they know is true or what they know is not to be true. I mean, this isn't going to be a very deep thought, but it's just surface level stuff from Uncle Chris. <laughs> if somebody if my coach would have handed me $700 at any point in college, I would I would to this day be writing him Christmas cards and yeah, I mean, I'm not saying put your head down and play, but like, you know, have some appreciation for that $700. I could use $700, Connor, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> The platform now for these transfer athletes is it's never been more clear. They're going to have a clear platform to speak out if they oh, yeah. feel, feel there is any injustice and there is something to benefit. This isn't just... And that's and the NCAA listens to that kind of stuff. Oh, they, they do. If it's a they, player I mean, and there's money involved, whew. Yeah, they have to. So th- this is a whole new can of worms that this thing created. Now, a, a lot of people looked at that story and just kind of thought, yeah, this is... You know, Dan Wolken, who tends to have a little bit of a more of like a, you know... Uh, I don't want to say that it's it's more of a preachy style, but like you know, a lot of a lot of the things that he writes is is about you know the injustice that goes on here, and he's you know quick to he's a columnist, he's quick to cry foul about wrongdoings that he yeah. feels administrative status, and that, and that's I get that, but I think a lot of people dismiss that, and they shouldn't have because there is a much bigger issue yes uh, at stake. But I'm getting way too fired up. I'm I'm like yeah, red let's in talk the about face something here. light, like more lighthearted. How about here's something I tweeted today. I'm over all the sportsmanship in the Little League World Series. It's too much. Stop high-fiving all the time. I, don't, I mean, you, you walked. Stop high-fiving the other team. I don't I'm care over the Little Spain. League World Series in general, so for I'm real, not the dude. right person for that. I'm actually going to get more fired up talking about the <laughs> Little League World Series than I am anything else. So let's it not suck. talk about that. Instead, let's talk about, speaking of transfers, so Justin McMillan, um, who is former LSU quarterback now, he is reportedly being blocked by LSU to transfer to two SEC schools. This now, sucks. <laughs> I'm not going to speak on like you know which schools. We don't know definitively. I don't. I don't think we know at least. At least I haven't seen definitively which schools these are and whether or not he's going to be able to do this. Um, but he is a graduate of LSU, and the of course in this this offseason the NCAA passed a new rule that prevents schools from restricting transfer destinations. So you might be thinking right. to yourself. How is LSU able to do this? Well, here's the answer. It's because it doesn't go into effect until October 15th. So um, that's why the bummer. Why didn't he just quit then? 
Yeah, that probably would have actually saved him a little bit. Yeah, but instead, maybe, maybe he'll just wait. But Bruce Feldman did report that he was going to look um, at Tulane. I think I hope he the... just comes back for like, it's like, I'm sorry, coach. You're right. I want to play this year. <laughs> I want to I want to be a two-way player. Like in Mighty Ducks 3 with Charlie Conway. Um, and then like October 15th, he's like, psych, I'm out of here. I, I mean, I, I hate that he's he's a graduate. He put in his time. Right. He's obviously not good, Joe Burrow. We can't even go play quarterback here. I mean, that's saying something. We ain't got a lot of quarterback down here. We barely even do the position. Uh, you can go down to Tulane. I, I, don't go to Tulane, because that's in New Orleans. And you, I, if Maybe he's more responsible than me when I was in college, but good God. <laughs> he's a Texas native, so uh, maybe there are um, some desires to, to get back home in the Lone Star State. We, we don't know, but it, it is just still strange to see, my goodness, Teams are still doing this. Like we talked about this a lot. And I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but like, do it, beat it. Come on, LSU. Screw really, that horse. What are you What are you trying to prove here? Like, he, the kid's going to be able to go wherever he wants in the middle of October. I understand that you don't necessarily want him having the entire playbook to go play for another SEC school because right. he is immediately eligible because he has already graduated and he has two years of eligibility left. Having said that, come on. Like, you well, told the, the kid he wasn't going to play. Because you know they got like seven total offensive plays in there. That's a good point. Down to well, like 11 since Darius Geis is gone. True. Okay. I mean, yeah. I, I, that part I do understand because especially this season is a pretty pivotal Pivotal. Wow. I just said it wrong twice. Pivotal. Say it for me. There pivotal. It is. You Pivot added an me. extra syllable. I don't know why. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, supposedly, I think, uh, I mean, if this is a big year for Orgeron. He needs as much help as he can get. He does not need that getting leaked out, but... I mean, I don't think that's really what would happen in the long long run. Just let him go. Right. And the report came out from, I should have prefaced that at the top of this, uh, from Brody Miller at NOLA.com, um, who reported basically this the beginnings of McMillan's uh, denial from, from LSU. So this could be the last type of story that we see about this. We think that this is all yeah. going to probably fade away. Who knows? Maybe by the time we're done recording this, he'll have already decided that he's going to Tulane or whatever. But um, I mean, I hope yeah. so because I just embarrassed myself trying to defend him, saying pivotal. Pivotal. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. We've got some interesting news coming out of Florida, courtesy of Luke Del Rio. Well, I guess he's in New York now, so it technically came out of New York, but it's about Florida. We've got a little Return of the Mac. We need a drop for whenever I do that, that we could just we could just play Return of the Mac. <laughs> that would be my favorite thing ever. Um, I just learned I, how to work GarageBand like two weeks ago, so let's just pace ourselves. Yeah, we're, we're one, one day at a time. Um, but Luke Del Rio... Uh, who is an admitted Mac guy. He is a big Jim McElwain fan, but he hates... One of three. Yeah, he hates what Jim McElwain did to his best friend, R.J. Raymond. So Florida shared this video of R.J. Raymond getting put on scholarship again. I think this I'm video... I'm going to try to laugh through this because it's really, really <laughs> it's messed bad. up, but it's, it's kind of funny. This is like kind of heavy, kind of not. Um, so R.J. Raymond gets put on scholarship you get the video players celebrating everybody goes crazy blah 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 luke del rio is like what people don't know is that he was actually on scholarship before but McElwain took him off and there are a handful of guys that that happened to at florida because this is the way that McElwain would handle his scholarships this is of course according to luke del rio he said that what McElwain used to do is send these, you know, if you were a walk-on at, at the program, you would get an envelope every six months and it would outline, you know, your role with the team, blah, blah, blah. Right. And then it would have a dollar amount of what you were going to be getting from the university, basically saying, are you on scholarship? Are you not on scholarship? Which you is a very it, weird thing to do. Send here's an envelope. Your value. Yeah, here's your value to us. Here's an envelope with your dollar amount. Here you go, kid. 
And so apparently he was taken he was taken off scholarship. R.J. Raymond was, and, and he a found handful out of other through players. An envelope were. that said you have zero dollars. Yeah. So bummer for him because that is a huge financial burden to have to take on. So he basically like. Luke Del Rio kind of went off the deep end, called McIlwain an effing coward. I mean, really went after him. Not it was, inaccurate with that kind of move. It was. If you haven't seen the video yet, you should get over to it. I just started following Luke Del Rio. I should have been following him a long time ago, yeah. admittedly. But my goodness, Jim McIlwain, like, you, you serious? That's that's re- like, if this is true, I mean, that's a horrible look. We went over this before we started recording, and I, I asked you. I was like, give me like the like the complete ins and outs of this, because I, I, I feel like I'm confused on something. And no, you were right. I mean, he was put on scholarship, which is so cool to see. That's, you know... Love they, those they, videos. They never get old. They, they, every, a little teary-eyed. A little teary-eyed every time. But then, but then, to find out that he was already on scholarship once, which means he was, he was a walk-on, right? Right. So he already had to have that moment one time, where it was like, oh my gosh, you're on scholarship! And then you find out, never mind, you're not on scholarship. And you, it's like... The comedian in me laughs at it because it's, um, we talk about the Saban thing. Like, son, congratulations, you're going to be gray-shirted. Like, I would love to see a video like that. It's like it's like a transgender gender reveal. It's like, you know what? I'm actually a girl now. What? Like, what happened? What changed? I, I Like, the comedian part of me is dying at that. But how messed up is that to just tell a kid, like, by the way, you're not on scholarship. Like, as as this is not a brag because I wasn't great, but as someone that played baseball and also had to put themselves through school because I had academic money, which is a nice way of saying I was smart, even though I couldn't say pivotable. (laughs) Unbelievable. Still not a word. Um, Yeah, I know. But uh, I would be pretty upset if if this happened to me. Like, that's just, that's so, you can't just drop that on someone. Like, by the way, you get to pay this amount of money next year for all of your, like, tuition and board. So here's the sick thing about this, is that not only would McIlwain do this and not really, you know, the communication wasn't there with players. Right. He, would, he wouldn't he would do the surprise videos that, that Dan Mullins and well, pretty much God. everybody's doing because he was he wanted to have this this card to be able to play. And so, you know, one of the things about this that, that really just kind of pushes it over, over the edge is when asked about this, apparently, like, he would say that, well, we need a scholarship for a recruit. So he would pull a scholarship from a current scholarship player and give it to a recruit that he wanted to offer. That's not right. And there's a reason no. that McIlwain had so many people against him when he was finally done in Gainesville. Yeah, and, and again, I'm I'm laughing at the the fact that I said transgender gender reveal. That's this is this is just I'm that's the that's the kind of Facebook feed I wanna have. But oh, yeah, gosh. this is this is so messed up on so many levels. I mean like you don't do this to kids. You don't hang that kind of stress and and power over somebody. It, I mean it and you talk about a walk-on, if you've already worked your ass off to get to that point just to be on the squad, especially at a school like Florida, and then you put them on scholarship, which is like the, the biggest compliment. And, it like, you know, it's probably like the biggest accomplishment he's going to have as a player there. And and you've earned the respect of your teammates, and then you find out later you apparently haven't earned the respect of your coach enough for that to be a consistent thing your entire stay in, in Gainesville. That sucks. I've got a letter that I'd like to send to Jim McElwain. you want to hear it? I mean... Is it about how much money he owes you? Um, uh, no, not really. Uh, it, it's brief. I promise I'll keep it brief. Okay, tell me. Okay. Dear Jim, I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Yeah. P.S. How are the sharks biting up in Ann Arbor? <laughs> Signed, your boy, Connor. I I like that, first off. I mean... Just quick and to the point. Probably like he was with his scholarships Because he needed more like deep-sea deep fishing money. 
That could be. There's yeah. a take. I like There's that. There's no way he was never on Plenty of Fish if he was like trying to have like a, a little relationship on the side. Del Rio said that he asked McElwain uh, about the shark incident. He's, he revealed this in this video. Yeah. And he said that McElwain got, quote, pissy about it. He, he definitely screwed that shark. I mean, that's just bottom line. Just bottom. I mean, like, nobody nobody handles that that way without, like, you, have, you ever, have you ever been in some, like, been in trouble, like, with, like, a girl you're dating? And, and like, or, like, this is, like, an age-old thing. This happened to my, my friend. Um, when someone is cheating, and it's like, I'm not cheating. You're probably cheating. What are you doing? Why are you out late? I was grocery shopping. Like, that other person projects it on them. He definitely, he got real upset about that shark thing. I'm not, I'm not sleeping with a shark. You're sleeping with a shark. It's right, been sure. over a year, and it's it still has not gotten old. Because he didn't uh, deny, he, he didn't just come up and be like that's that's silly. <laughs> you guys are wacky. It it pains me that um, so Florida media asked him about that so frequently, <laughs> and I don't see that I don't I don't see that question being asked up in Ann Arbor. I think uh, they've no. got different things to worry about. And not that he's available very often to the media, but he's dating that shark. Good point. Good point. Yeah, I bet that was an awkward phone call he had to make to her too. The shark oh, be like, gosh. did you leak these photos? How did they get out? I told you we shouldn't have got a sandals this year. My wife's going to kill me. <laughs> oh, let's stick in the SEC East. We've got an SEC East preview. We did the West on Monday. It was fascinating. We talked all the things that you want to hear about, including a couple bigger picture questions with how the division is going to shake out, what we think about some of the over-under totals. We're going to get to that later. Let's do the East today. Let's start with the same place that we started at for the West. We want bold predictions here. We don't want okay. lukewarm stuff. We want bold, bold predictions. We've been we've had all offseason to come up with them. Give me your first bold prediction for something in the SEC East. Justin Fields starts one game at UGA. Ooh. Yeah. So I thought this was like a non-issue, and it probably is. Um, as most of you know, like most of the time, I handle stuff in a very calm, measured, logical way, especially yep. right, off, right off the bat. Like totally. I just am always like that. Uh, however, yesterday I did see that Kirby, his quote on the quarterback situation where he's not ready to name a starter yet and both guys are really talented. Everything I've heard and living in Atlanta, I, I hear a lot of stuff like on Sports Talk Radio or my idiot friends. He, he's really high on Justin Fields. He's getting like rave reviews at camp. And at some point I have to believe that whether it's because of talent or because Jake Fromm, I don't know, cut himself on a pair of Tiva sandals while he was rock climbing. <laughs> Justin Fields is probably going to get a start. That, that's, I'm going to throw that out there. Okay, so you don't want to give the reason as to why, but just that you think it's going to happen. Tiva sandals. Tiva sandals. At a transgender that's, gender reveal. Can you create a, a prop bet for that on my bookie? Yeah, we're going to get to that later. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. Okay. I, I, I can get a – I'm not quite as on board with that, but the idea that Fromm could potentially get injured and have that happen. Okay, that's not crazy. Um, mine is – I'm going to go similar direction with a quarterback starting every game. Kyle Trask is going to start every game for Florida in 2018. I don't think that's even – yeah, that could happen. I, a lot of people still saying Felipe Franks. I think D Luke Del Rio, um, who's now officially our guy, came <laughs> out and said that he thinks Del Rio, or that he thinks uh, Franks has the the edge in camp. But I like I've, I've been saying this all offseason, and I apologize if you've heard me say this a billion times. I just think Kyle Trask is going to be the guy that Dan Mullen favors. He thinks he's a little bit more coachable in terms of his his limitations. He doesn't think that his style is going to lose Florida a game and take the offense out of what it needs to do. He's going to get the ball into the skilled players' hands, yada, right. yada, yada. Kyle Trask, start every game of 2018, book it. That's a bold prediction. Hey, that's what this is, man. This is a that's, bold yeah. prediction segment. That's what we're doing. 
Pardon me. I, okay. Oh, man. I'm going to save this other one for last, but because I, I literally was reading over this. I'm not going to tell you what I said out loud. There's definitely a four-letter word involved. Um, I'm going to say this. Brian Edwards has more receiving yards than Debo Samuel at South Carolina this year. Whoa. Yeah. Brian Edwards had a, like a low-key big year last year. Yeah, and no one talked about I didn't realize that him. as much. Yeah. And, and then now with like the new, the new uh, offensive system they're going to be in under Brian McClendon, I th- one, he's already got a built-in, like, not... He's got a lot more rhythm and like a more of like a, a relationship, I would think, after playing the entire season last year with, you know, his quarterback. I just don't – I understand, Debo Samuel's fantastic, but he played two games last year, and he had a great two games. But I'm, it's crazy to me how much of a projection everyone's made on his season. He's going to be an All-American. He's going to be All-SEC receiver after two games. Well, it's, it's, he's played a season and a half in total. In, in his entire career. And this leads into my What have you done prediction. for me lately, Debo? What have you done? <laughs> I need to hear you say Debo like 18 times. Hey, Debo. Debo, Debo. <laughs> you sound like Rush Probst. Um, my, okay, so my next one is that Debo Samuel is going to play in 13 games for the first time in his career. Yeah, that wasn't a bold prediction. Is that is bold. He's, he's never played more than 10. Right, go, so go another look back reason, another reason why Brian Edwards... Go look back at his... No, that my bold prediction is that he will play in the 13 games. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm just so, saying it's not a good prediction, Connor. That's all I'm saying. Wow. Putting that trash hate. prediction. <laughs> I think that he finally stays healthy. Uh, I'd like to believe that Debo Samuel stays healthy for an entire year because I think he's going to be so fun to watch in every facet. We got that little sneak peek last year of what his role can become in that offense. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think that he's going to get involved in the return game. It, he's still going to be kick, returning kickoffs and and you know making plays in that yeah. fashion. I just maybe he's a little bit on the timid side when it comes to receiving all that stuff, but um, I, I just think that he's ready to explode and have that that big time year, staying healthy. But I could I could still see a year in which Edwards had more receiving yards. So I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hate on that. In fact, I might I might just steal that that take. That was a pretty good take actually. All right, you ready for this? Yeah, go ahead. Missouri. Finishes higher than Florida. All right. In the SC East. Okay. Okay. I thought that was gonna be like like earth shattering. Was like a... That's that's the unofficial CC Jefferson Bowl now. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I didn't want to go as high as saying they were gonna finish second because they got to play Bama and Georgia, which is probably two guaranteed losses. Um, not to be rude or anything like that, but they got to go to Bama and they got to play, and that, they also have road games. Let's see at at Florida and Carolina. I think they'll get one of those. Um, so I'm gonna say they finished higher than Florida. I kind of want to say they're gonna finish second, but see, you're lucky because you didn't have to do a crystal ball series where all your picks were out there and locked in and no. people to. So I can't, I can't pivot at all or do anything like that. Pivotable, a pivotable, pivotable word of the day. All right, Mizzou at number three then in the SEC. Two. East? Oh th- yeah, three. Yeah, sure. Two or three. Okay, two or three. Two slash three. I'll check myself one. into it. We'll we'll just kind of we'll. We're just going to squat on both of those. Whichever one they finish at, we're going to say that you called. So that, that works. My last one, I'm going to say that Benny Snell earns all America honors by season's end. Yes, Benny the Bandit. That's when I said, Connor, you're out of your effing mind and walked out of the room with myself. I was just here by myself. Can I, I hate on Benny the Bandit? Pick. He's, uh, but here's the thing. So in terms of guys who are proving commodities, who we know there's going to be a workload for, 
why not a guy like Benny Snell? If he yeah. has one of those 1,500-yard seasons, maybe he ha- he has something where, like he did at the end of 2017, where he was unstoppable down the stretch. If he continues that pace and if he, there's something that just clicked for him or maybe he was finally healthy for the first time, maybe there's something there that, tr- that, that carries over into this season where we just see a guy who has it figured out. He just knows how to, yeah. how to read, read you know, his blocks and do all that stuff that you need to be that that elite right. back. And I think and then that he has more yards than somebody like, I don't know, Bryce Love, who had 2,100 yards last year and still was second in the country in total yards. Isn't that crazy? And didn't even come close to winning the Heisman. Well, Bryce Penny came close. I mean, yeah. Somewhat. I mean, no, I, I agree with you. I think Benny Snell could have a really, like a really, really good season. Um, and I mean, 1,200 yards last year, like 1,200 yards at Kentucky feels like 1,800 yards at like Georgia or Bama or Auburn. That's true. But, I mean, if he has 1,500, like, I don't know on a national scale if it's as impressive. It would be, if he had over 1,500 yards, he should be an All-American. Saying that he's going to be an All-American by season end, season's end is just saying that he's, I think he's going to be a top four back. Yeah, he's, he's good enough. Because there are four backs that make it. I, I think he is good enough. I think he's got that chip on his shoulder. I think he's going to be fun to watch as long as he can stay healthy. You know, the workload's going to be there. Yeah. So that's going to transition into the next question. He's involved in this, Benny the Bandit. Who is the best overall player in the East right now? Is it Benny the Bandit, Debo Samuel, Drew Locke, DeAndre Baker, or the field? It's the field for me. Okay. Who would you take then? So I would take either... Uh, you can't say Jake Fromm after you just said you think no, Justin Fields is going to start. No, I'm not. He's not. I mean, okay. I think he's great, but I think his numbers aren't going to be as impressive this year because he's going to split more time. Uh, I would say... I mean, Debo Samuel is... is Hard to argue, he just impacts the game in so many different ways. I'm going to say DeAndre Swift. Okay. I think right. the, the numbers he puts up this year, statistically, he's going to be the best player in the SEC East. Wow. I, I can get on board with that. I, I argued the other day why I thought he should have earned All-America honors. I wasn't yeah. surprised necessarily that he didn't, given the fact that we're talking about a guy with one season of collegiate experience who's right. a third-string running back. Yeah. But I do think that, you know, as we've talked about, whatever, the 392 carries that are available from right. Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, the workload is definitely going to be there for him. I, I wouldn't be surprised. found a way to stand out in that backfield last year with Michelle and Chubb, like, that's, mm-hmm. that's what impresses me. And, I, I mean, outside of his, like, physical talents. And also, this year, from what I heard, uh, the amount of tackles he'll have as a gunner on punt coverage, like, that's going to be crazy. Like, he'll, just, he'll have, like, soon. 11 to 12 tackles for, like, the whole year. Which, if he gets double-digit tackles and double-digit touchdowns, he's gonna win the Heisman. Too soon, way too soon. I like that. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Debo Samuel uh, for for now as the best overall player. Um, I, I think last year we we did a story on uh, on Christian Kirk being the best overall player yeah. in the SEC after the first couple weeks of the season. I think Debo Samuel kind of has a similar type impact where you just feel like he can take over a game in so many different ways. And he ends up being the guy that we just are like, man, this guy is just on a different level right now in terms of what he can do when healthy. So right. I'll, I'll go Who with Debo. Who else Debo? <laughs> 17 more times, Debo, Debo, Debo. Um, but yeah, DeAndre Swift, Debo Samuel, definitely two guys who could be considered the best player in the East. How about the biggest wild card in the division? Who would you, who would you say Florida. could just shake everything up? Florida? Florida. And, and the reason why is because... So, and I have a tendency to talk myself into things, especially when I'm like deep diving into research. So I'm doing this top, or like my 25 biggest question series. Um, it's gone swimmingly. People are definitely starting to take me serious uh, as a as a real journalist. Um, that you are. Yeah. So not not at all. No one seems to really think they're um, 
funny or smart, I guess. Uh, few people in the Georgia one. Anyway, I'm looking at the Florida thing the other day, and I knew they returned like between 19 and 20 starters. They have their entire offensive line back. Um, you know, going through like the Phil Steele thing, they jump up to like top five in the country with his experience chart. I was all all on board for that. Because on, on top of that, they lost 10, 10 different players for the whole season last year from suspension. So if you don't have that happening and you return all these starters, there's no way to go but up, I would assume. Well, yeah. I mean, but they're, you, they're they won four games. The whole season is, is eight, which is kind of surprising. So, okay, so that, that transitions... Let's transition that into what's Florida's ceiling? What, what, what can this Florida team do, given the fact that they only won four games last year? I think the schedule is actually still kind of difficult. I, yeah. I know that a lot of people have looked at that and said that there is an obvious 9-10 win mark for Florida. I, I don't think it's that high. Not with how they've because, played. Yeah, I mean, you got to remember, like people are still looking back at at these kids being talented recruits and all that stuff, but you got to remember they still have spent the last few years with Jim McElwain. Right. I mean, this. I don't think this is going to be an overnight Wait, thing. Hold on a second. You think those ten suspended players were still on scholarship? No, I don't think they were. What was in their envelope? I don't think they were. Probably a a big old a big old zero. Ah, well, okay. actually, you know what? I don't know. This I don't is a crazy know. thing. Well, it, not important. But either way, yeah. I mean, I could see that kind of going either way. I really could because. You know, you talk about they always have the out of conference like they're it's so weak at the beginning of the year, um, except they, last year. But yeah, yeah, okay. So they played an eight and five Michigan team. Got sure. throttled too. So, but they got to play Florida State this at the end of the year. Obviously, you still got to play Georgia in a neutral site game. I'll put in quotes because it's definitely a home game for Florida. Um, they're not going to beat Georgia. I think they can go on the road and beat Tennessee. But you talk about at Mississippi State, LSU, the Georgia game. Carolina, Missouri, I don't, Kentucky, I don't know if they, I think their ceiling is 10 to 11, but I think it could easily be 7. 10 to 11, what? 10 to 11 wins? They returned, they returned 19 starters. From a four-win team. Yeah, well, that's different. (laughs) Times have changed. No, I mean, I I agree with that. They have a new coach in there. Look, have you seen, the numbers they've had in the past however many years on offense, they averaged... 300 and they have an average over 350 yards of offense per game in three years. That has to change, right? Like you, that's pathetic. Oh yeah, I mean it could absolutely change. But the the thing is, is that I, I feel like there are so many teams in the division right now who are getting better, and they're trying to get better with them. A program like Tennessee yeah. last year, who was way, way, way down, getting better. A but team not, like Georgia, who doesn't really have oh, yeah, much of a. Oh yeah, they're not beating Georgia. Yeah, I mean, they're not beating Georgia. Mizzou could instantly be better considering that they Agreed. haven't had actual good defenses since Barry Odom's been there, yeah. and that's what he was hired to do. So there is potential that Mizzou gets better. I, I just, I'm not sold on the belief that Florida is automatically just going to be pushed up into this, right. this upper echelon. And it, and it kind of bothers me, actually, that Florida is sitting there at number, they're technically at number 27 in the AP poll right. because they were the second team left out just behind South Carolina. Which is stupid, yeah. It makes no sense because they're going to get off to a good start because of their favorable schedule, and they're going to be back in the top twenty-five just like that. Even though this is a team that won four games last year, like but yeah, can, but all those all those that? like toss-up games, I completely agree with that. But all those toss-up games, and like that's really what I what I base it off of is when you have like an elite team like Alabama, Georgia, Auburn, um, they're, they're not going to most likely not going to lose to like on the road at Arkansas or a Mizzou game. All the fringe toss-up games that Florida has this year, in my opinion. South Carolina, Kentucky, LSU, Mizzou, they get all of them at home. 
That is true. I actually do think South Carolina wins uh, wins that game too. I, I had I'm not as high on the Gamecocks as some are, saying that they're going to beat Georgia or anything like that. But I th- actually do think that they go into the swamp. Will Muschamp gets them fired up. His return to Gainesville, and they they win that game. But there there are a lot of coin flip games that you would yeah. probably look at because that's just the way that the division is. So right. I mean, the division I'd rather right have now. Those games at home though. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, there's something to be said for that, and maybe playing at Tennessee will be a little bit more difficult than we think it is. We just don't know. That's the tough thing with these preseason projections is that at this time last year we wouldn't have been looking at Florida as a doormat throughout the season, yeah. but they were a dumpster fire by season's end, and Without anyone doubt. could have walked in there and won, with the exception of UAB. Without Tennessee, <laughs> but not Tennessee. Um, so besides that, let's look at uh, real quick. Got a couple more here. Best freshman in the division this year is going to be who? I'm going to let you go mine. first so I can flip through this magazine and pick okay. a name. That's good. Uh, you could just probably go through George's recruiting class or something like yeah, that. That's, I mean, kind, that's of, kind of what I did. I'm going with James Cook just because, especially with the injury now to Zamir White, uh, I think that there's going to be an opportunity for him to get some serious run, much like DeAndre Swift did last year. James Cook, the brother of Dalvin, sky-high expectations for what he's going to be able to do in year one at Georgia. Could be a guy who gets into these games in the third quarter and all of a sudden just takes off, and all of a sudden and Georgia fans are just like, wow, we are so unbelievably loaded at the position that this is this is almost unfair. I think James Cook ends up having one of those seasons where he gains maybe 700, 800 yards rushing and becomes a real contributor for this season, much like Swift was by season's end last year. Yep. So, <laughs> I mean, does, that, does Robertson could, count? Is that to be, it has to be a freshman? Uh, I, was, I was thinking freshman, yeah. I mean, it, you can go any which way in this. I mean, if you think that... Oh, I don't know. You could probably go up and down with Fields. Don't make me yeah, overthink could... this, Connor. Let's go with it's Fields. It's definitely Justin Fields. Okay. He's the number one player in the country. God, I really overthought that. Well, number two, of course. I was going to say somebody from Florida, maybe, because of like, the offense, but then I, like, I was worried I was going to say somebody that's probably suspended because of pots and pans. Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee could be... They, they brought in some Juco players. Like, I think... I don't know. Like, the Emmett... Emmett whatever his name is from last chance you, I think could be pretty good. But if not we're talking a freshman, just no. a freshman, yeah. Or I think he'd be like a first-year guy. That's why I said freshman. We better, we better edit this part out. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll pretend that we were totally prepared for that. Um, okay. Well, I just overthought it because it's definitely Justin Fields. He's the number one player you in the did. country. You did overthink that. And I, I told you, just, just stick with Georgia and you'll probably be fine. Yeah. Um, all right, so two more questions here. Vanderbilt or the field for last place in the division? It's definitely Vanderbilt. Gosh, I got definitely. roasted. I got roasted by Vanderbilt fans because what? I have Vandy not winning a game in the SEC. Shh. Yeah, that's fair. Don't tell anyone. Uh, I have, have Vandy winning three games and you know losing to Notre to, Dame. At Notre Dame, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, that, that's uh, I know Derek fair. Mason said he's not scared of that game because they play in the SEC, but um, that was yeah. Dumb. Sorry, don't think Vandy's going to win that game. I, wh- wh- what did they say? What was their defense? Oh, I had people saying, like, oh, we can't wait to remind this guy when Vandy goes 7-5 and five that he could just suck <laughs> it. Like, all right, okay. James Franklin coming back, or how's that going to work? They um, might beat Tennessee. They might yeah. beat Tennessee, but they might lose to Middle Tennessee State. I like Kyle Shermer, and I, and I had him at number seven in my SEC quarterback rankings. I think he's going to get a shot in the NFL. Obviously, you know who his dad is. He's been working with Jay Cutler all year, so that's pretty much a guarantee. Yeah. Um, but uh, you lose your most productive running back of all time in Ralph Webb. I don't think that that turns around very quickly. Um, I, I think that you're looking at a, a team that's got a very inexperienced group of receivers, 
And what told you about the Vandy defense last year that that unit was going to be even mediocre? They were coming I mean, playing their hardest. They was they could give it everything they got. Now Alabama, you're next. I don't care that Derek Mason got rid of your invitation. For that is that guy it's just borderline offensive, hot, like just but, a falsetto from just like a, a 1960s all boy band, like the Temptations. Hey y'all, thanks for coming out tonight in Nashville, Commonwealth Stadium. We hope you have a good time and enjoy our music. Is this the year that the East sheds its weak tag? You mean the SEC least? Woo! Uh, yeah, um, they're going to be better, I think. I mean, luckily for them, the West is going to be probably down um, with that many new coaches in the conference, which yeah, I know sounds possible. stupid when you have like Mullen and, and or you have a new coach at Florida and Tennessee. But those are also, one of those is like a proven coach. So I think, I don't know if they're going to be better than the West, but they will definitely, definitely, there'll be more parity in the conference, which is good. I think uh, the two through five battle, maybe even let's, uh, even two through six, is going to be super interesting. Yeah. I know that sounds like such an obvious thing to say, but I don't think there's a whole lot of separation from South Carolina down to Kentucky, even though, right. I mean, because Kentucky obviously has that win streak against South Carolina. So Four years in a row. Yeah, gosh, that's unbelievable. Um but yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if we have any opinions change about the division as a whole moving forward, and if we want. Oh yeah, think I'll forget most some, of the things I just said, so we'll be fine. Probably. Let's let's do some uh, some. We got some over unders from uh, from my bookie here, don't we? Yeah, and your uncle Chris is gonna bring them to you. So guys, we talked about this on Monday. Um, we will be partnering with uh, my bookie, which is one of my favorite things. Very excited about. Uh, as we talked about on Monday, you know, it's not just who you're betting on, but who you're betting with. So make sure you go check out mybookie.com. I set up my account um, a long time ago, but definitely went and uh, set up a new account, sorry guys, uh, to get that bonus, because if you use the SDS as the promo code, they will match your bonus up to 100%. So there is that. Um, you can lay down some cash on anything, literally anything. The over-unders for this season, uh, obviously games and like money lines, spreads, all kind of stuff. You can bet in-game lines, which is one of my favorite things to do and very irresponsible. Uh, you can bet on the Pope. <laughs> You can bet on the Pope. Last week, they had the Mike Gundy mullet odds. This week, my favorite, uh, who retires first, Nick Saban or Bill Snyder? You could also bet on whether or not Lane Kiffin gets in trouble with a co-ed. It's not, not very good odds, but yeah, all on mybookie.com. It's one of my favorite things. Uh, and keep in mind, guys, make sure you sign up before the season starts. Use the SDS code promo to match your uh, deposit 100%. Because, as I said, Vegas Sportsbooks have not had a winning record against college football betting lines in September since 1988. So make sure you go to mybookie.com. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.com. And make sure you tell them your Uncle Chris sent you. Probably don't say that last part. Yeah. They'd find that a little weird. They're like, Uncle Chris, what the hell is that? Promo code SDS Uncle Chris? <laughs> no, just SDS. But no, we'll talk about some of the uh, over-under win totals, season win totals for the SD East. Uh, we're going to start, obviously, with Georgia. So the over-under is at 10.5. Give me the over. Same. Same. Not a lot of losses on that schedule. Florida, over-under, eight wins. Uh, taking the under, I have Florida at 7-5. I'm going to say 9-3, and three, or just or, they, or a push. Three. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I, I mean, I think, oh, it's such a low number. It's such a low Wait, number. Wait, did didn't you just say that you thought Mizzou was going to finish ahead of Florida? They will, yeah. But they could push at eight. Quiet down, Connor. If anybody knows gambling, and <laughs> I really need to borrow $700, though. Uh, Missouri, over under seven wins. 
That's a push. I uh, completely agree. Also, they have a pre- they, they were 7-5 and five last year, so they could improve. They've returned a lot on offense, but we'll see. South Carolina over under 7. That's really low. Uh, I'm not as high on South Carolina because I do think there's some regression with the fact that they went 6-1 and one in games that were decided by one possession or less last right, year. Right, exactly. But I will say I'll take the over on that because eight wins feels like with a team that returns to that much production and experience, I feel like eight wins is very, very doable for them. I mean, they in conference, they were 7-1 and one against the spread last year, which doesn't really matter for the season win total, but they're a very good a team to bet on. Also, out of every team in the entire country, their odds um, are the most favorable to cover seven. It's minus 185. If you bet on that, if they go under seven, it's a plus 150. So you're getting like pretty good odds on that. I'm going to say over, but not by much because it's, you know, that's a pretty tough schedule. Georgia and Clemson. Mm-hmm. Um, Kentucky over under five and a half. Gosh, Kentucky fans don't like me for this. Uh, I, but I took the I took the under. I've got Kentucky winning five games this year. I think, yeah, that's and I really they're good enough to win seven. They really are. It just I don't like the way the schedule sets up for them this year like the road games. I have a really tough t- tough time predicting teams who uh, have quarterbacks who have never taken an FBS right. snap. It's just really hard. You don't know what the offense is going to look like at all, and you, you're just kind of left wondering, like, okay, yeah. especially without a proven, uh, you know, a proven offensive coordinator, some guru comes in. It's a little bit different with somebody like Dan Mullen or something or a Joe Moorhead or but, I, I don't know. It just and the one thing I'll say about that, to be fair, there were seven and six last year overall, seven and five in the regular season. That includes two losses to Ole Miss and Florida in the final seconds of just dumb luck with Ole Miss and just being dumb against Florida. So, but five and a half, I, I'm going to say under, I think it's a five. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Tennessee over under six. I also had Tennessee at under. Um, yeah. I had Tennessee at five wins this year. And I, 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 you know, I, it was one of those things that before I did the crystal ball, I think I had them at six. And then I kind of go through and you do all the yeah. games. And you're like, you yeah, assume they can win six games. The offense is just still such a question mark. I don't know about. I, I'm still. I'm curious to see how this Tyson Helton thing works out with him as the offensive coordinator. They right. paid him so much money to come there. He's never been a Power Five off, like offensive years coordinator. Old. Yeah. Wait, what? He's pretty young. He looks. He doesn't look 12 years old though. That's true. Um, yeah. In the uh, out of all the teams in the conference, uh, Tennessee, the under has the best odds. It's minus 160. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say under as well. I don't think it's even that close. It's probably four or five again. Um, it'd be impressive if they got to six. I'll say that. And then last but not least, Vanderbilt at over under four and a half wins. And I'm, yeah. Wow, I'm taking the under on the under on almost every team. Well, no, I'm not on South Carolina and Georgia. But, yeah, I'm definitely taking the under on Vandy. Yeah, I mean, they get, they get Middle Tennessee State uh, and Nevada and Tennessee State. They should win those three games, yeah. but not much else. Yeah, I'd take the under on that. That's it. There you go. But um, here, another one. We'll just throw this one out there for you. Will an SEC school hire Hugh Freeze before January 1st, 2019? I'm going to yes, say yes. plus 140, no, minus 170. I, I agree. I'm going to say yes, because it was so close to happening last year at a variety of places, and I think that um, the way that Greg Sankey, we were told the way that he threw this out there was like, hey, you probably shouldn't be at an SEC school considering that the SEC school that you were at, you kind of put a postseason ban on because of what you did, and it would be a really bad look if you played in a postseason game right. and then they didn't. So yeah, but I now, get it I mean, from you that You can do anything you want, as we learned at the top of the show. So, But yeah, those are uh, all those season win totals. All their bets are at mybookie.com, so make sure you guys check them out. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. 
I like that. We're I, I like doing a lot of the over under stuff. We're gonna you, your gambling segment during the the season is gonna hit on a lot of that stuff that you're gonna do on Facebook every Saturday morning. But we we definitely got to keep some of this this stuff yeah in the program because I mean yeah. if you guys don't like it, let us know. But I think some of this stuff is is fascinating. And, and I'll ignore it. And we'll still do it. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, make sure make sure uh, you check out the Facebook Live. I appreciate you saying that on Saturday mornings this fall. Um, so not this week, but next week, and then also every every Monday, seven p.m. Oh, so. You know what I just realized? We have spreads next week, like real. Oh, live they're already out. I'm spread. No, no, I know they're the out, game. but I'm talking like game week spreads. Yeah. Like spreads that actually matter, where the lines get a little bit more solidified. It's injuries that come out. Let's go. I can't wait. Um, okay, we got a. We're not going to do Family Feud today, correct? Yeah, we're doing that. Family Feud is going to be a, a Monday staple. We're still learning the the whole two pot a week system right. that we've got down, but we did. It was, it was a mailbag of sorts last week, and we told you that we were going to come up with a name for it this week. Do we have a name? No, not at all. That's good. Yeah. Maybe it'll just be the nameless the nameless. <laughs> no, we can't do anything. that. Well, I'll think of something this weekend. Just been in the process of moving, which has been just a treat, just a real treat. Um, yeah, you look like you're sweating more than usual. I'm sweating profusely. I'm yeah. actually, I'll get Sam glowing. It's been awful. <laughs> and on. like all my stuff, like I'm going to move into my girlfriend's apartment. All of her stuff is nicer than mine. So it's like, where do you want me to put this Lee Greenwood greatest hits album? <laughs> It's, it's currently pinned on my wall in my bedroom. She's like, you can probably just throw that out. Yeah. yeah. All right. Have fun being single. Um, yeah, we can just chuck that. So three three questions, non-football related. We will figure out the questions later. Uh, we call it fourth and wrong. How about that today? I, I, I like that. Let's okay. stick with fourth and wrong for now. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a workshop headline or a workshop title for what we're going for here. Pivotable. So Pivotable. three questions, life advice, whatever you guys want, non-football related. Your first question comes from Tyler Garner. Which office character is your favorite and why? And better oh. question, which character could be removed and the show be just as good? I'm, I'm a purist. I'm a Michael guy. Um, and that is why when the show was removed and the show, when he was removed, the show was not as good. So right. who, would, who could you get rid of and keep the same interest level of the show? Um, of the main characters, I think it's Andy. Oh really? Yeah. And I don't dislike Andy that much. I just think that they kind of they went all over the place with him too much, and it was a little bit tough to track his. They tried it so many different times to make him like a main fixture of the show, but because he was doing the Hangover stuff, it was really tough to keep a steady storyline with him. So Andy's probably the one who I would, I would remove if I had to like keep the show the same way. So I'm gonna say favorite character is probably Creed. It's yes. just those subtle Creed just bombs that he drops are probably my favorite. And Michael Scott's like, it, it's, he's also, I mean, he's what makes the show. I would say the one player, person you could do without and it would still be fine, Ryan. No, see, Ryan, Ryan's kind of great because he, in a way, drives all of the, the Dunder Mifflin into Sabre stuff. And it's his, it's his downfall that sort of spirals everything. And when he goes off to jail and he comes back, and here, I want to uh, shout out Chris Stoney. Because he said this uh, in the best way possible, it's almost made to be like the the viewer watching the show is Ryan Howard because the right. way that the show starts, he is the intern, and so you sort of see the office in the eyes through him, where you start off as this normal person, right. and then the more and more time you spend there, you realize like you get more, you get just ridiculous by the end of it, and that's what Ryan's character was. So I kind of liked Ryan and always respected him for that because I felt like I was along for the ride with him. Okay, through the ups and downs. So, next question. That was a lot, man. You really like that. That was a lot. I, I really had like that halfway through. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry. Next question from Whitehead308. 
Nice. He he's the first person that actually submitted on these last week, and I I just thought it was funny because right off the bat he said, "What's the best flavor of ice cream?" And I was like, because <laughs> I didn't say non-football last week. I was like, "What questions you have for this week's pod?" He's like, <laughs> "What flavor of ice cream is best?" So what what flavor of ice cream do you like the most? I'm a I'm a big Moose Tracks guy. Oh, nice. Um, I I'd go with Moose Tracks over any other. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> you don't have any like, hot hot takes on that, like Ryan? I think it's just freaking delicious. I feel like I grew I grew a lot, like ups and downs, like with Moose Tracks, like growing up, and just like I was like, a lot of times in my life. That's where I was. The same time Moose Tracks was going through something. I hate you so much. <laughs> no, mine's a. I'm pretty pretty bland when it comes to ice cream. Um, rainbow sherbet or chocolate almond? Ooh, chocolate almond. It's my that's, favorite. Um, yeah. That's interesting. You don't, one you don't a, one see B. that everywhere. You don't see it anywhere, Connor, and that's one of the mm. reasons. I'm not 300 pounds, and only like 230 pounds. So there's that. I want to make sure I get my measurables out there before the year starts. It's probably a good idea. Probably not. Um, all right, your last question comes from Instagram, and it's there's some pretty incredible, incredible questions that we've got in there. Um, if you're not following us on Instagram, make sure you do at Saturday Down South, because I'm killing it, basically. Um, all right, let's see. These are so good. I'm going to ask this one here. There's one that says, what kind of beer does Marla drink, and why is it High Life? I went through a high life stage no more than four years ago. So that is pretty spot on. That's not going to be the question, but that guy should probably get a sticker. I used to love high life, man, um, because I had no money or dreams. Anyway, your next question, Brandon Keeney, if you had to pick any town in the SEC or ACC to live year-round, which would it be? I know your answer. Your 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 answer is Athens, right? It's close, but I don't think that would be because if with SEC or ACC, I have a I have a clear clear number one for me. I it's it's Nashville. Oh Big yeah, country music guy. Super cool. Love though. love the the nightlife there. That would be. Um, you love the nightlife be, there. I love the nightlife. We could do a whole episode on some things I could tell you there. Whew. We could do a whole episode on country music. Maybe that's our next off season. Oh yeah. Because you're 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 very much old school, and you would just hate on my my new school country music takes. I'm not gonna not I'm not good, gonna, but yeah. I'm not going to drown you with some Sam Hunt or anything like that. Oh, I like Sam like, Hunt. I know his manager. Sick brag. Sick brag, dude. He played at, didn't he play at Middle Tennessee? He played baseball there, didn't he? I, or no, I he played football. So. I, um, he might have. I, don't, I, I think he's from Birmingham. His uh, manager used to be a regular at the bar he used to work at before I got this gig. <laughs> I like Sam Hunt. Like talk oh. rapping, that's cool, yeah. Okay. They um, call it hunting. <laughs> is that really what they call it? I think Brad Paisley called it that at the CMA. Ooh, he's once the or something worst. Like that. Okay. All right, he's so, the worst. Oh my he gosh, sucks. we're gonna we'll save this for the off season. All right, so I would say I can, I don't know if I would say Nashville. I last time I didn't have a good showing in Nashville, and um, somebody actually recognized me a few years later at the bar I worked at, saying that they remembered kicking me out of the Deja Vu strip club there, which wasn't my Whoa. fault because everyone was leaving me and they I walked too closely to a stripper and there's a three foot rule. Anyway, I can't go to Nashville again. It's like Shreveport. Yeah, I, would I was going to say, say Nashville and Shreveport for you are just not, not going to happen. Um, I would say, it's not Athens, Chapel Hill or, uh, Ooh, or Raleigh. I've never been. I haven't either. It just seems beautiful. <laughs> I just, it does. I've always thought that every single campus in the fall at ACC was just, was just beautiful. So, I love Charlotte. Charlotte's a really nice area. I don't think people talk about that as one of the better cities in the Is country. Is there an ACC but... school there? No, there's not, but they play a lot of games there and stuff. I was just thinking that because we were talking about the Carolinas. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I love that place. It's fantastic. It's like a smaller Atlanta with less crime. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's actually not, not that bad. Not that bad of a comp. Uh, we've got some five star reviews. Keep sending us those questions. Those are really yeah. good. We're gonna get to them every Thursday. We'll send out a sticker to the best question asked. We've got a really, really good five star reviews that we've got to get to today. Each one of these is so perfectly, just <laughs> I, I I can't even I, I can't begin to say how happy I am you to see have these reviews. Outdone yourselves. <laughs> yeah. These this first one. Uh, do you have these pulled up right now? Uh, I. Don't. I'll read the first one for you. This is this is teammates. This is tag teaming right now. That's what we're doing. Um, so the first one is Koto Translator. Um, it's Atlanta Traffic All Day. That's who this is from. Ugh, tough name. The Kocho bits have me rolling while driving slash parked in Atlanta traffic. The targeting call on the ticket for the UGA helmet car was great too, and that's coming from a UGA fan. Yes. That the Kocho bits are, your Kocho is, it, it's one of the best things that you do as a human being. Oh, wow. That's, I mean, I don't know. I think my mom would beg to differ, but I appreciate that. Uh, I, I mean, I tithe and I give to charities and stuff. Anyway, um, no, I appreciate that. I definitely don't tithe. So I'm going to read this one, and I've been looking forward to it for the past two days. This is from Cuckboy69. Oh, boy. And boys with an eye, which is, so you know it's fire. Uh, the, <laughs> the title the, the of the subject line, you gotta start with that. First. Yeah, the subject is Take My Wife, five stars. <laughs> you guys, such a great job that I don't care that my wife said that y'all are her hall pass. <laughs> Speechless. Wow. My wife was. Uh, days. I, I showed that to my wife in like a little, like, hey, try to make her jealous type thing, and she's like, you're not good enough to be anyone's hall pass. Wow. Wow. <laughs> um,. <laughs> Just yeah, I mean, I, I, showed it, I showed it to my uh, girlfriend and, um, and put it in an envelope and just let her know that this is what was happening next semester, so she's <laughs> taking off scholarship. Just kidding, babe. Sorry. Oh, way too soon. That's not going to go well. We've got one more to get to. This is by another Saban Crap Five Star. Uh, subject line, Young and Fun Podcast. Pretty fun podcast to listen to as the guys are not super popular, in parentheses. <laughs> Check Marler's Twitter. <laughs> Why was that was so but, unnecessary? Uh, that was great. Uh, but definitely relatable college football fans who do a great job of covering the SEC. It's great to hear them try new segments to find their niches. Rhymes with quiches. Boom. I, it definitely feels like I'm going along for the ride to see how popular this podcast podcast slash website gets. I look forward to listening now twice a week. Another statement. Crap. Five star. That's so that great. was really nice. For the I most bet. part, um, I, I, that was perfect for me. That that hit all checked all my boxes. I'm sure it did. Uh, I will <laughs> say this. Yeah, he brought up my Twitter. I, it's just I, I thought I was doing fine. I have 917 followers. You are close to a thousand, my friend. If I get over a thousand followers before the season starts at C Marler SDS, we will do something on this pod. Like I'm not going to shave my head because I'm way too pretty for that, but something. I'll wear like an Auburn shirt first day of football. Ooh, pull a Jalen Hurts. Do that. Yeah, so there's that, guys. Challenge on you. We really do love all those five-star reviews. Keep sending those in. We really do appreciate those. We will read those whenever we get them. Um, Keep up the the creativity. The creativity has gotten so good with some of these. I mean, I'm really, really impressed. Watch the Facebook Live that you were doing every Monday night. 7 p.m. I love getting that little little notification on my phone. Saturday Down South is now live. I feel like, oh, man, it's on. Um, follow us on Instagram, as you said earlier, uh, at Saturday Down South. We're verified and all that stuff. Sick brag. Boom. Follow us on Twitter at the SDS Pod at C Marler SDS. 
at CJ O'Gara. Oh, wait, I've got one more. I almost forgot. I almost forgot. It might mean too much. Real, real quick. Got a response from the LSU fan who is coming to the Alabama LSU game from London. Oh, yes. He's coming from London. He's been an LSU fan for the last two years. So he took a trip to uh, the U.S., went to New Orleans to watch a Saints game. That was his first love. And then he went to a bar and was like, oh, my God, LSU fans are crazy. They're awesome. He's been streaming games over there, right. watching games uh, on YouTube. Toby Wilcox is his name. Shout out, Toby. I know you're listening. He is going to be there. He said he's dropping. they're dropping like $3,800 to be able to make this trip to go see Bama LSU. It's his first college football game in the States. Go give Toby a follow. I can't remember his, his Twitter account. Oh, not not more than me, but yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, give, give him, uh, definitely going to want to take in that experience. Love hearing stories like that. If you've got more, it might mean too much. I can never get enough of those. Hashtag, it might mean too much. And Marler, you should just remember. What do you need to remember? I just said it right there. Everyone you. do your best. Make good choices. I don't know. <laughs> I got to shower. I'm sweating profusely. You say it. Take us out. I've forgotten again. Might mean too much. That, that's Thanks, what I guys. meant to say, guys. See you Monday. <laughs>